Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hey, what's up? And music video sends writers Barrett Share and Jay Lalonde returning to us. Good to be back. All right. It is great, great to have you back. And uh, Barrett, you saw Batman v Superman. I haven't seen it yet. Jeremy hasn't seen it yet. Uh, what is your thoughts on uh, Batman v Superman? I'm as mad as hell. You're out of order. You've never seen me very upset. Well, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's real terrible. <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> I went into this trying to find little nuggets that I would like because yeah. it's been so vilified. Even though I saw it opening day, it was very, very bad. There was some really good stuff about it. It actually has, and I'll keep it spoiler free, of course, but it has what I think is the best imagining of, uh, Bruce's parents' death ever on screen. Do they tell that again? They fucking tell that again. Oh my god! But so that's that's the bad news. The good news is it's really well done. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think I don't care that yeah, it's well too. done. Uh, it. How many times have we seen that? You know, and we even get the fake out one in the first one, the first yeah. Batman, the Tim Burton <laughs> one, and it's like, how many times do we tell this story seriously? Uh, but. Okay, oh, that's that's one good thing, and it's a bad thing for me. All right. Exactly. Yeah, I'll give it the because Zack Snyder is such a visual storyteller, uh, quote unquote. The first uh, action sequence, the first set piece of uh, Bruce Wayne driving through the destruction of the Man of Steel fight is really, really great and uh, kind of compelling. Uh, Affleck's chin is great; mm-hmm. is beautiful, mm-hmm. chiseled. <laughs> Yep. I've always yeah. thought that since days been confused. His chin's just amazing. It really is a good chin. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean that. And so you're, you're kind of like in there, like maybe, maybe a little something, maybe uh, shortly afterwards, Amy Adams uh, gets a little bit naked. Mm. You're kind of <laughs> sitting here thinking like, eh, all right. And uh, then it just tanks. It's, it's hideous. They waste. Affleck, they waste Amy Adams as just this random innocuous damsel in distress. I don't know if they waste Jesse Eisenberg or if he wastes himself. (laughs) 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 Because he plays Lex Luthor is this very strange thing. I I couldn't really figure it out. And I don't think he could figure it out. I get the sense that in a two and a half hour movie that uh, everybody's probably wasted somehow because they've, you know, they have to spend time with all these different characters that they're introducing just now. Um, the, The one thing that I will, you know, the Marvel universe did, even though I'm tired of the Marvel stuff now, but uh, the what I really appreciate how they did it is that they kept, they came out with individual movies first and uh, introduced all these characters. And then when it's time for the Avengers, we've already been introduced to all these people. Now, yeah. Dawn of Justice is saying, you know, here's Batman v Superman, but here's also Wonder Woman. And here's also Lex Luthor and, you know, all these characters. Aquaman. Yeah, yeah Aquaman. I, I read a review that said, you know, 
Snyder's trying to do in one movie what Marvel did in like six. Yeah. Uh, and that sounded like probably part of the problem. Right? Again, <laughs> now this podcast comes out a week or so after the movie's been out. I still won't have seen it, right? I'm, I'll just be honest with you. Barrett emailed us and said, hey, should we go see – should we all go see this movie so we can talk about it on the podcast? And Chris and I were like, yeah, no, I'm not going. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> I have heard and read enough, and I know I'm going to see it when we sin it. And I know I'm not going to like it. And <clears throat> I'll just you know transition here into a little bit of a Rotten Tomatoes rant because I, I posted some screenshots over the last few days on Twitter about, you know, right now, Batman v Superman is at 30% with 250 reviews counted. Yeah. Um, now, maybe you don't know what, there's two levels of people who dismiss Rotten Tomatoes, I think. People who don't understand it and then people who just hate all critics and are super fanboys, and when I post a screenshot, say, fuck you. Um, <clears throat> so Rotten Tomatoes basically is a yes-no from professional movie critics. Um, I know people that have tried to get their reviews that were well-written onto Rotten Tomatoes. It's a very rigorous process. These are newspaper, television, and internet professional critics, and they're basically giving it a thumb up or a thumb down, and then the score is the average of that. So this is this 30% is saying that of the 250 critics that have reviewed this movie professionally, 70% of them think it's bad. Yeah. Now, that is overwhelming. Now, on the contrast, Zootopia right now is at 99. 99. So right. that means when I go in, even if it's not my favorite movie, even if I don't fall in love with it, I know I'm going to see quality. I know um, that there was a uh, a thing with Rotten Tomatoes. I, I don't know if they still do this or not. Uh, I think some people still hold on to this. But even if you do hold on to this, you have to realize that um, it's still not enough to impact it. But they used to do this thing. I would, used to go through and read actual individual reviews in Rotten Tomatoes. And there would be a guy that would show a tomato next to his name like, oh, he liked it. And I'll read it. And it's like, well, he kind of didn't like it. Right. And I still put a tomato next to it. Now, I still have a feeling that even though, even if that happens once in a while, that's still not enough to say, well, it's not, it's not really 30%. If you just, if you did the adjustment, it's probably about 60%. It's not like that. It well, what they like have that. now underneath the, the, the main score of Fresh or Rotten, the first thing is average rating, and it's basically a 10 point scale. So this movie is rated by these 250 critics as a 5.1 out of 10. So right. flunking out of any school ever. Yeah. yeah, they're they're not exactly five thirty eight, you know. But um, that I, I I didn't need Rotten Tomatoes though to understand that this movie was going to be a giant turd. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I made a video in December on my side channel about the trailer where I said it's going to be 2016's Terminator Genesis, and I was just trying to find something outrageously bad to make a great joke, and it looks like I might have been right. <laughs> yeah. Now, critically, of course, yes, you're right. Uh, the money, however. It made eighty-two million over the right. Thursday. Yeah, they're not going to stop. Yeah, so the Thursday night previews and the Friday uh, showings, it made eighty-two million. It's probably going to end up making about one hundred and sixty or something like that Kicked over the weekend overseas. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it doesn't really matter whether or not uh, everybody came to watch this movie and disliked it. Uh, Warner Brothers is sitting pretty well, and here the audience score is seventy-three percent, which is not great. Um, 
but yeah, audience is going to enjoy it more than the critics on almost every movie ever. Yeah, and but, think about it. The first two days, you're going to get all the people who love Batman and Superman coming out right. and watching it. And of course, they're going to be like, well, yeah, I liked it. And yeah, I don't uh, know, man. Like at the end of, uh, in my theater, you know, primetime Friday, downtown Chicago, you like from that first scene, everybody, you could tell everybody was on board and you heard like kind of like, gasps and things like that and by the end of it people were literally just like squirming in their seats like they were watching the revenant you know <laughs> but it was because of the dialogue <laughs> yeah i, I heard there's some really bad dialogue yes and at the end of it the first thing because people were waiting for a post credit scene which i don't think there was one i didn't wait around but uh the first thing i heard after like a second of silence was like this guy like that was fucking boring <laughs> 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 and then everybody just quietly filed out after that. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Batman v Superman was originally slated to come out against Marvel's uh, Captain America Civil War. Yep. And then it got pushed to to March so that it would avoid that because it knew that. I think uh, Warner Brothers knew that going up against uh, the Marvel machine right now is not a wise idea, even though they tried to play like a, a battle there for a bit. And like, we're not we're not moving. We're not moving. And then finally, OK, we'll move. After Winter Soldier came out, I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. But that uh, that leads us right into what we're talking about uh, today. And that's the summer movie releases. Where do we want to start on this? Uh, movie, uh, the summer movie season really over the past few years has kind of started in March, even though April is usually kind of a waste wasteland. Um, I mean, but every once in a while you'll get something like a furious comes out. That's a summer movie that'll come out in April or whatever, but March really kind of kicks it off. It's what kind of gets us into that. So do we want to start with April and then move our way into May and, and get into civil war and all that? And what do um, we want to do? Well, that would be fantastic if I had dated my list of movies coming out this summer. Um, well, um, I'm going to tell you this: the only thing in April that I can see that I that I'm that I'm definitely going to watch. There's no, there's two: Hardcore Henry. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Uh, but then Keanu is the other. Yes. Now we've talked about Hardcore Henry enough, but Keanu uh, is uh, Key and Peele making their first movie, and I'm there. I've, I yes. mean, I love Key and Peele so much that I'm there. Um, the trailer is not like a laugh out loud funny, but I I have I have faith in them. So I what do you think about a, this? I think it's a good yeah. trailer. <laughs> I was just at South by Southwest and um, they aired it there and a lot of people seem to like it. Um, and now those are like, you know, the hippest of the hip. These are like, you know, film festival goers. They wouldn't miss it for anything. Uh, but if there's one story coming out of South by this year, I would say that um, this was one of the films that did the best there. That's uh, that's amazing. I can't wait to see it. Um, there's a couple other April movies that are worth talking about, good or bad. Um, we have uh, John Favreau's Jungle Book, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and uh, The Huntsman 
the inexplicable follow-up to Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, yeah, that somehow I, got made. I don't know if I, I'm. I may have to. I'm not. I don't know if I want to, but uh, I may have to go back and watch Snow White and the Huntsman and see if this movie's even possible. Um, <laughs> the you know the prequel here and everything. I'm sitting there going, what? All the stuff that's going on in this movie it doesn't make sense for the next one for me. But maybe I just uh, t- tuned out or whatever. Yeah, that movie looks you know completely unnecessary um what was that other one that you just jungle said book. oh my god seen it okay and this, this is, is the one- first of two live action jungle book movies coming there's two jungle book movies yep the next okay. one is uh directed by uh andy circus okay so here's the thing about jungle book and i noticed this as i was watching trailers for the summer there are a lot of these type of movies coming out this year yeah, you have the Jungle Book, you have the Legend of Tarzan, and yeah. uh, and uh, Pete's Dragon even has yep. some of the same uh, elements to it. It's little boys in the jungle, uh, you know, befriending <laughs> animals. <laughs> and I don't know what the difference is between any of these. Really, I just want to snippet Barrett later of <laughs> just that second of him saying "little boys in the jungle," <laughs> so I can. You know, manipulate it and do things. Absolutely. <laughs> manipulate away. Um, um, yeah, no, they do all have a very similar looking aesthetic. Um, yeah, I can understand one live action jungle book and not two. And, you know, if Andy Circus is going to do a whole mocap thing and direct it, that's the one I would rather get behind. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, there's nothing. I'm not going to see anything new here, am I? I mean, it's basically a story we already know with a life of pie slapped on top of it. Yeah. Well, they also, they also already made a live action jungle book in the nineties with Jason Scott Lee. Um, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, and it's just how many times do we have to see this movie? That just, it just, it's so grating when you see a trailer for something like this. Yeah. All right. Should we move into May? Yeah, let's do it. I have now found a list and I'm just kind of, kind of coordinating. So the big one in May is obviously Captain America Civil War. And again, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about that one ad nauseum. So let's talk about the other big comic book movie that month, and that's X-Men Apocalypse. A movie that I think may actually suffer from the comic book overload. Um, yeah. The, you know, after Batman v Superman and then Civil War, which should still be going decently strong by that time, although I have a sort of thing in the back of my head that civil war might end up being a bomb comparatively. Mm. Um, I mean, it'll still do really good business or whatever. I don't, I don't mean to say bomb as in failure, but like they're going to see some decline, I think because of the way things, you know, just the fatigue. And, um, but then that, you know, that will set off, you know, I mean, Fox, I think is really stupid for coming out with X-Men apocalypse, uh, three weeks after civil war. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm not, and this is where I always sound like I hate everything, but I really <laughs> loved first class. And then I, I felt like days of future past was a little bit of a step back. Um, vibe wise. So I, I'm not really looking forward to this anyway, really. I mean, I'll see it. I might like it. I enjoyed days of future past. It's not as much as I wanted to. Um, but not only that coming out three weeks after civil war, just, have you seen the trailer for X-Men apocalypse? Yeah. It just, it looks looks like like every, yeah, it looks like every other, uh, comic book action movie at this point. It just doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Yeah, How, how high are we going to raise the stakes? Like now it's a God. 
Now yeah. it's, you know. Yeah. Well, we're doing and that I, with Avengers, too, because we're going to get to Thanos. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, once we kill God, what, who do we fight next? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the thing about the Apocalypse trailer that I was just sitting there like, oh, you're fighting a God. So what's the what's the weakness here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, what, how do you how do you end up killing this? He's uh, allergic to Earth. Oh, yeah. There's going to be something like that. It's going to be like water or, you know, or germs or something like that. It's going to end up killing He's him. He's going to get allergies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Zika virus comes to kill him. <laughs> he's, he's like, we did not prepare for this. Yeah. We, yeah. I think uh, this may be a month full of unnecessary movies. Uh, we what get about another- Snow- Snowden? Uh, the Oliver Stone film comes out in May. Okay. Well, that was off my radar, but um, who's in that? That's uh, Shailene Woodley, um, Nick Cage, <laughs> uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll go see anything Oliver Stone puts out. Uh, I think you have to. He's a great filmmaker. But um, I, if you saw Citizen Four, then I think you have to see Snowden. So yeah, and that's but that's the thing also for me is once I've seen like a documentary like Citizen yep. Four, and then they come out with the you know the Hollywood version of it or whatever, I'm like I don't really need to see this, do I? I mean I've I've seen I've seen the the big story on this. Well, so. it's sort of like that movie Joseph Gordon-Levitt made where he walks across the like I saw Man on a Wire or or whatever right. to see the yeah. dramatization of it, right? Right. <laughs> And just and and what and that's the thing when you see Man on Wire, and you see what they do in the actual movie, you're like, uh, that didn't happen. That didn't. None of that stuff that they're talking about happened. So why why are you doing this? You know, the documentary is much more impressive. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Totally. Um, all right. So some other unnecessary films in May. Um, Alice through the Looking Glass. We're going back to this universe again. Yeah. Tim Burton. Um, the, the the thing with that movie, the, I don't, you know, with Alice in Wonderland, the movie came out three months after Avatar, and they made a, you know they made it 3D and all that. So it got this huge boost from people actually thinking 3D was awesome um, <laughs> at the time that Avatar came out. So it got this huge boost from that. I don't think very many people actually liked the movie. Uh, yeah, but know. it made tons of bank, and uh, and this one is not, you know, Tim Burton didn't direct it. He's producer, although, you know, it looks very much like a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Um, I I can't see this one connecting. I just can't. Yeah. We're um we're gonna go back to uh, neighbors two sorority rising. Anyone? Yeah, mm. I you know what I I kind of enjoyed the first neighbors. Yeah, I did too. Um, but I just, I, I, why do we need the second one? Why yeah. do we need it? It's like the Hangover uh, sequels. It's just going to be the same shit. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. But it's, it's a girl this time. Uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of young talent. Gerard uh, Carmichael had the big uh, role in it last time, and it was a surprise. And now he's, you know, got his big show on, I believe, ABC. And yeah. uh, I think he's going to play a much bigger role in this one, but I'm with you. I don't, I mean, we don't need it. <laughs> we don't yeah. Need it. Yeah. This is a strike while the iron is hot sequel. And we were seeing a lot of these this summer too. Speaking uh, of not striking while the iron's hot, we also get the angry birds movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, this movie's not going to do anything, right? I mean, no. little kids, little, little kids might go see it, but this is way too late to matter. Well, and, and man, a, a movie like this, uh, Man, there's so many things to to deconstruct, but 
you know, when you play Angry Birds and you enjoy Angry Birds, it, you don't really care much about the story involved. You know, <laughs> is it's, there a story? <laughs> yeah, and there really isn't. They, they try to make it like one, like oh, the pig has stolen the babies, and then you, you know, uh, every time you conquer a level, it's like I conquered them, and then it's like no, there's another, there's an alive pig that still has the babies, you know, and it just keeps <laughs> going on. Um, but like, but like, you see the trailer for this, and it's like. Uh, what this is nothing this has nothing to do with why you enjoy the game angry right. birds and it's right. why it's impossible nearly to make a, a movie out of a video game a lot of times because what you enjoy about a video game is always going to be different than what you would enjoy in a movie right all right well let's end may on a, a note that's positive a movie that i think chris and i both really want to see the nice guys have you yeah. guys seen the trailer for this oh yeah um this is uh Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, and it's uh, you know, the dude that wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I can't remember, think of his yeah, name. It's right Shane now. Black. There you go. Um, and uh, the trailer looks great. Uh, I'm all in. It looks like a weird, violent, funny romp. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, it probably won't connect. Unfortunately, it's just one of those type of movies because it's a period piece, and you know, it's it. People aren't going to probably flock to see this, but. I hope they do, and I hope they go and see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because that's one of the most uh, underseen movies that you can you can think of. That's just the quality of it is great. Yeah. Um. And um. And so, and this looks like more of that type of fun, you know. And even when Shane Black was writing stuff like Lethal Weapon and Long Kiss Goodnight and all that, those things were fun too. I love Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh, yeah. got so many great quotable lines in it. It does. The music in that trailer for the nice guys is uh, Mark Ronson featuring Mystical, the feel good in this mother, <laughs> and, which was never a hit, even though it was a terrific song. And it's like it's almost like it's tailor made for this particular uh, trailer. It was off the Uptown Funk. Can I ask you guys before we move on to May? June. Have you guys seen the trailer for Money Monster? Yeah, I did see it. No. And I don't. It reminds me of John Q. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little bit. Nobody's going to see it. Yeah, that's that's one part of it. Um, I I feel like I know the movie already. It's like you know, it has George Clooney and Julia Roberts, and somehow there will be some weird, awkward, like romantic things happening there, and then there's a bomb, and somehow the world is saved. Right. Yeah. Um, Am I right? And also that 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 week after the you know when they've done this for i guess now about 20 years where the big huge first summer blockbuster comes out in the first week of may i remember it mostly with twister coming out um back in you know 96 was when they first started doing this the week that follows that almost always a garbage job um uh, movies that they don't feel very strongly about uh, usually get that slot because they know that they're still competing with the second week of that big blockbuster. And, um, and, uh, I think, uh, I can't remember what came out. The, I think, I think it was something like the arrival that Charlie Sheen movie came out in 96 after, uh, after, uh, Twister, but that was a, a fun movie anyway. Um, but, uh, but nobody really, yeah, Money Monster just looks like, I, it's like, this looks like a lot of movies I've seen before. Inside Man, Falling Down, all these, you know, that type of movie. So I'm, yeah, I, it might, I mean, it's, it might be worth watching with the actors, but I may, I'm not going to go out, out of my way to watch it. 
All right, let's move into June. And I have a feeling I'm going to say this for every month moving forward, but I think I spoke too soon about which month was the month full of too many unnecessary sequels. This one <laughs> is the uh, the month of twos. I mean, we've got Independence no Day 2. Um, good God. Now mm-hmm. You See Me 2. Yep. The Conjuring 2. Yep. Uh, Finding Dory, which will probably, maybe, hopefully be good. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> originals well let's let's just talk about those first independence day god what the hell are they thinking yeah I, <laughs> it just is another one of those where it's like it's we're hoping your nostalgia of the 90s carries this through and it looks like it's going to yeah. um yeah almost every every time i've seen that trailer with an audience there's a buzz I'm like <sighs> oh it's back and um i uh you know for me it's like that was a movie that was good to be one movie and it didn't need to be a second one but you know they're wow. doing that little what they're you we're using their technology and now you know <laughs> it's one of those you know uh they're coming back for it or whatever yeah now you see me too uh, I yeah pretty much hated the first one uh, right made a bunch of money it was one of those surprise hits um, yeah, so that first one. Shocked. That first one bothered me so much. The Mark Ruffalo character all the way through it doesn't make any sense when you look, think back to all the things that he does in the movie to be a regular FBI agent, and then find out, oh, you know, here's the big surprise. Yeah, and it's like, why did you do all this other stuff in the earlier part if you were? <laughs> <laughs> why you nearly risked your life because of all some of this? Now come stuff. join the carousel of magic. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> guys, what about Pop Star, the Andy Samberg film? Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Um, that uh, I'm I'm interested in it. I really I like the Lonely Island stuff um, and the and the. The documentary style of this comedy looks really funny to me, like especially the part where they t- where he they say he's surrounded by yes men and he throws the basketball and turns around and he's like and everybody like goes, oh, and he totally misses the shot. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, I just love I love stuff like that. And it looks like it's it, I mean, it's very interesting. I hate the title of it, though. Mm hmm. Um, it's a movie it, that's a title that a lot of people are just going to, you know, they're not, they're just going to dismiss it. Unfortunately, pop star never stop uh, popping or whatever. What is it? Never what stop. It? Never stopping. Yeah. Never stop. Never stopping. I mean, you know, come on. Um, you need to make that a little bit of a punchier title. And I think people would go to see it, but you know, now it's, yeah, we're just going to go with a silly title. Yeah. Um, what about Warcraft? now this I, um, is from duncan jones yeah it is um but we only have like one movie really to right, judge right. duncan jones on and moon is great but um i've seen this so many times where a talented director makes his independent uh hit and then he jumps immediately to like the huge cgi movie and uh it uh, it rarely ever succeeds well is there any audience, even if this thing's fantastic, outside of people who play the game? Like, I never played the game. I don't. I can yeah, tell you, same totally, here. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, you know, if it's awesome. I'll find out later on, and I'll pop in a DVD and I'll see what the deal is. But I, there's zero interest for me here. Plus, uh, this is a trailer that I have seen probably five or six times in movie theaters, and I have not heard anybody 
going like you know being excited about it there's mm. there's a lot of nervous tension about that movie yeah. you can tell that even the nerds are like uh, <laughs> i don't know if i want to watch this please don't ruin this thing we love like yeah even the people who are play the game might be nervous right and it's again it's the same we have a lot of there's actually a lot of movie video game adaptations coming out and it's all the same deal uh, what do you like about the game that translates to the movie? Ratchet and Clank is another one that comes out in April, I think. <laughs> and uh, and then you have Angry Birds and then, then this. And, uh, you know, Warcraft doesn't look appealing at all to me. It looks like yet another, you know, medieval Lord of the Rings, whatever type, you know, knockoff movie. Yeah. Just a side note to this, uh, which is a bit of a diversion. What's the best video game movie ever made? Is is there been one that's been super successful, or is it like Resident Evil? Is the I'm best sure one? there's one. You know, Resident Evil might be closest to the best, and then and then Mortal Kombat, the first one, is yeah. yeah, is fun enough. Like it it gets almost some of the things that you would like about a game in a movie, except the tournament that they fight makes no sense. Um, <laughs> You've got Christopher Lambert, so everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Lambert. Um, <laughs> The, uh, but okay. like, yeah, exactly. Uh, every time I think about that question, I think about Resident Evil and I think about Mortal Kombat. N- neither of those movies are great by any means. Silent movie. Hill is pretty good. Yeah. Silent Hill. Now that's one that, um, yeah, that's a good one. A real visually, uh, stunning movie too. You guys seem um, to be forgetting Super Mario Bros. from 1993. Uh, we are not forgetting that movie, <laughs> sir. Piece, Bob you take that back. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. Yeah. Dennis Hopper, though. Dennis Hopper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You remember that Double Dragon movie with that guy from Party of Five? Yeah, I remember Ooh. the movie. I don't remember why. I mean, I didn't ever see it, but I remember it coming uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, all those others like Street Fighter is all obviously considered one of the worst movies ever Mm -hmm. made. And, um, you know, Resident Evil didn't need to be five different. They're making another one, too. Another one's coming out. Yeah. uh, I think later in the year. Yeah. So what I'm so, saying is that the the chances aren't real high for Warcraft to be terrific. Not especially. And the last time they tried to do epic um epic movie type of stuff with a you know with a video game was Final Fantasy the Spirits Within and uh that, nobody liked that movie. Um that was another one that's frequently cited as not, you know, one of the worst movies or <laughs> whatever. So, um yeah, it how, how do you translate that? It's not like a book. It, video games are really hard to make into something that you would like as a movie. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, do we want to talk about Finding Dory at all? Anybody got strong feelings? Um, Anybody wary? I am wary of it. I um, I think Pixar. There was a point where they were ten for ten for me, and I even like Cars when you know, you know when it first came out. Um, but then as they started uh, making sequels and and their and some of their original stuff uh started to started to like not be as good like I don't like Brave very much Cars 2 was awful um what was the other there was a, there was a few others that good dinosaur just, is crap yeah I didn't see that yet but I mean I'm hearing that's bad um so Pixar has finally over the past few years got a dent in their reputation a little bit you can't really 
totally be sold on a movie that they make anymore, which is unfortunate, but Hey, it was bound to happen. But now you're, it's like 50, 50, you get an inside out, but then you get a good dinosaur. Yeah. Um, so this right here is it, it, everything that I see about it just seems like another cash grab to me. Yeah. I'm a little worried. I love the first one. Speaking of cash grabs, Idris Elba is just going to be collecting checks all summer long. He's in like five films this summer. Wow. <laughs> I'm not well, like Star Trek Beyond, Finding Dory, The Jungle Book. Uh, and he's in a, a, like three other films throughout the year. He might even show up in Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, and Idris Elba can collect all the checks he wants. I I'm agree. totally fine with that. Yeah, he's uh, the man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, use that, though, to transition into July and talk about Star Trek Beyond. Because we've really only seen one trailer that, um, Simon Pegg, who wrote the movie, said was terrible. So, um, what do we expect here? Anything? Nothing? Yeah, I'm not excited about this either. And and you know, I I kind of like Justin Lin as a director. He's he's obviously capable of doing this, but the movies that he's directing are crap. And this Star Trek Beyond, he just doesn't look like the right director for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we've also talked about Ghostbusters plenty um, on a recent podcast uh, based on the trailer, but I think it's worth at least mentioning that I don't think any of us are super hyped for that, right? No, but I will give it a chance. I mean, it's not like, oh, the trailer's awful. I'm not going to watch it. Um, right. right. And and I, I think Paul Feig is, has sort of, I mean, I'm not as high on Paul Feig as a lot of people I know are. Um, cause you know, bridesmaids is not my favorite movie. I mean, uh, the heat isn't, um, it's just, there's some, there's funny things about it. I don't think they're bad movies in any way, but I'm not as big. Yeah. You, you'd think that just the natural chemistry between at least the, and this sounds terrible that I'm excluding Leslie Jones, but at least between the three other characters of Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon, you'd think they're just so good that something good is going to come out of it. And the, and the only thing I actually watched the, the trailer again before Batman v Superman and Kate McKinnon almost makes me want to watch that movie just by remaining essentially silent. Throughout well, the trailer. Like it's not intriguing to me. It's not an original joke, but I did laugh at that part in the trailer where the two of them say, let's go at the ex- almost the exact same yeah. time. And it's yeah. kind of awkward. Yeah. I, I agree. There's a lot of talent here and uh, you know, one bad trailer doesn't, doesn't you know scare me away right and i get the sense too especially since you were you were talking about like you know with all these these different actresses that play off each other really well that there are a lot of things that we're not seeing in this trailer and it and it's it's also something that you know who who who's to say that sony didn't go down and say we need a trailer now and they just got some intern to go over and like you know <laughs> cut a trailer real quick and, All right, and Bill, here it take is care of it. yeah you know? well the directors and then, don't get to cut their trailers so yeah so like how you know how at some point you know that they'll probably make a new one and they'll be like and we'll be like oh okay this is a lot better than i thought so i'm not judging it on the trailer yet i'll definitely be watching it um uh, um, July will also see my personal most anticipated movie of the summer, and it's Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and anyone out there listening who wants to say that's an unnecessary sequel, you go to hell. Uh, <laughs> you go to hell and you die. The, the three Damon uh, Bourne movies uh, are some of modern action's best, in my opinion. Um, and uh, the third one in particular just really resonates with me on a lot of levels and I am geeked to see them back. 
Now, here is I'm I'm going to watch this movie obviously because I'm the same way. I love all the Born movies, and um, but this trailer, and again, we can't judge everything on a trailer, uh, is just a Super Bowl spot. I don't think they've come out with the full one yet. Right? Um, is it's Jason Bourne in in kickboxer basically. Jason Bourne in Bloodsport. Um, uh, it's him doing the like this underground fighting stuff that yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme made popular back in the uh, late eighties. It made me uh, think of uh, Sherlock Holmes, the movie with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And far and away. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm there. You you say Damon is born. I'm there. I'm not going to yeah. question it. You know, so it's one of those things. Well, he wrote it too. This, he actually did the screenplay on this one. Oh, oh wow! So, and then uh, Alicia Vikander from uh, Ex Machina is in it as well. Yeah, so. yeah, nice, nice. So, and he's an Oscar-winning screenwriter. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, so now <laughs> let's go from the peak to the valley and talk about Ice Age Collision Course, which I think is the fifth one of these motherfuckers. Yeah, it's the fifth one. God oh. damn! Oh, yeah, God. dude, I watched this trailer last night and. Uh, I, I, the thing that kept going through my head was, I don't think I've seen anything more unnecessary in my life. <laughs> uh, well, you could have said that about the third one. Like, right. I, I don't even think, I think I saw, saw parts of the second one. Uh, I know I saw the first one. Uh, what is there an audience, Chris? Do you, do you know if these movies make a bunch of money or are we just, does this guy have something on the studio? No, they do. Um, the, I believe the last ice age, I mean, now at this point, uh, Fox does not care about the domestic gross, but the domestic gross is good enough. But internationally, these movies make, I believe the last one or the third one made a billion dollars or close to a billion dollars worldwide. I'll have to look that up, but it was one of those surprise, like I didn't know that movie made a billion dollars and it was one of those. And it was, um, so, so yeah, they have obviously a lot of, uh, you know, incentive to come out with another one of these, uh, even though the franchise is super old at this, at this stage, but, um, yeah, unfortunately they make lots of money. So, I mean, the first one came out, I was working in the theater. It would have had to be in like 2002 or something. Right. Yeah, so we're like, I think it was 2001. Whole, we're all the kids who love that movie are in college or working now. Like here's, here's an example. Ice age continental drift, which was the last one that came out in uh, 2012, uh, domestic gross, 161 kind of middling. Foreign gross seven hundred fifteen million. It made Damn. worldwide eight hundred and seventy-seven million. That's the wow. fourth movie, and then um, and then the one before that, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, I believe, is the reason. Well, and that also made about the same amount: one hundred ninety-six domestic, six ninety-four, and eight hundred and eighty-six million worldwide. So oh. it's not they're not making these for us. They're making well, this for you know everybody else. I had this conversation at lunch the other day with a friend of mine about how the the global box office is really what matters now and that's we're going to we're going to see transformers movies till you know the cows come home even if they stop making money here cuz they make bank in china and, mm-hmm. and he was asking me you know like about that market and and we don't really know much about it right this is a communist nation um you know we don't really know exactly hollywood doesn't you know which movies are going to explode like ice age continental drift and which ones aren't um and it's an interesting time i think uh 
for movies because I think they're still trying to figure out that international audience. But yes, the main important thing is American film lovers, you don't matter that much anymore. Yeah, the that that they look at the foreign now, and and China uh, is become. I think it's the second largest uh, box office um, country in the world now, and it's probably going to be number one soon. The U.S. Um, now may, tries to get. I think it's what twenty seven movies into China now. It's something like it's. I don't remember how what the total is, but there's a limit to how many they can put sure. in. And, um, and that's why you see stuff like in the Martian where it's like China bails them out, you yeah. know, that type of or thing. The Iron Man three did, uh, the Chinese doctors that save him at the end with that surgery. Right. They even had extra footage in that movie for the Chinese version that we didn't see here in America. Yeah. And the last transformers had like, even in Texas, you know, Mark Wahlberg's going up to his ATM and it's some Chinese bank or something like that. <laughs> um, doesn't really make any sense, but Hey, you don't want to, you know, we want to placate the Chinese there. Um, but, uh, the, that's the thing, but and I've been, I've been reading too that, you know, Oh, uh, the Chinese film goers, uh, are wise to this and everything, but you it, it can't be too many people are wise to this because they're going out in droves to watch this stuff. We have several uh, Chinese listeners to this podcast. Not really? anymore. Not after this podcast. <laughs> we have a podcast. So shout out to everybody around the world, like from Bangladesh and from Estonia and like, yeah, really uh, everywhere. That's awesome. You're Jeremy, doing. Jeremy, your voice is huge in Astoria. Our, our Astoria, Astoria Queens, too, for that matter. Right. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Indeed. Our I world think, domination uh, is close. All right. Well, uh, I think we can put that month to bed and move on to August. Unless anyone's dying to talk about Legend of Tarzan. Mm. Not really, other than oh. what I've already said, is right. that after you're done with the Jungle Book, are you going to watch this? Yeah, no. Um, August it is. Uh, so with August... Can Suicide Squad fucking come out already? Seriously? Yeah, well, yeah. Right. And, this, and this movie looks fun. This movie looks a lot of fun. Yeah, it may be, um, you know, DC and Warner Brothers saving grace, right? If this thing is somehow good and it may help erase, you know, all the bad mojo that Batman v Superman's giving them and maybe moving forward, they can still salvage something. It's almost like they feel like with stuff like Batman v Superman, they have to be super serious about it. Uh, we have to make this serious and, and, and take it seriously and everything. And what you get is the product that Barrett was ranting about. Uh, Suicide Squad, it looks like they didn't care who care, who, who, you know, they don't, they're not trying to project this to everybody in the world. Right. And it's, um, it's, it's, they did their thing and it looks like, Oh, everybody's loose and just having a great time. And man, I, it, it can't get here fast enough. In Barrett's many right. ways, it's maybe, it may be going to do what Deadpool did in terms of just letting creative people who really respect the source material, uh, make something that's true to that source material. Um, it, it looks like it so far. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. If, if this movie does do well and you see, and you put Deadpool and Suicide Squad next to each other, you know, the problem is, is that this Batman v Superman is still going to make tons of money. So do they, which side did they pick? You know, do they say, well, well, it looks like anything we do is fine. We don't care. You know, I refuse um, to believe that the studio heads do not notice when there's this much bad press about their film. I think they may still look at the, 
the dollars and go, yes, we're moving forward, but maybe this is just my hope and I'm projecting myself. They have to want to do better. They don't want people to trash their movie. They want to make money, but they still want people to say good things about it, right? Yeah, I I think that's true to some extent, but there were so many movies I remember, and and I don't don't have any – uh, specific ones right now, but I do remember when certain movies would come out and it made a lot of money. And then you, you talk to people and they re- and you realize nobody really likes this movie made a lot of money, but nobody really likes it. Uh, they'd still, you know, go forward with that sequel. And, yeah. and it's like, did enough people like say, I really want the sequel so that you went ahead and spent all the money on it. Cause then the sequel comes out. Of course, nobody watches it. Because it's, you know, they didn't like the first one. But, oh, well, it made a lot of money, so we came out with a sequel. But, I mean, even Paramount, like, I think they want people to like the Transformers movies. That's why they did that whole writer's room, and they brought in some prestigious writers. And, and like, I, I feel like they're at least trying to, while we make all of this cash, um, let's, uh, let's try to make them a little better. Because I think maybe they get tired of people trashing the Transformers movies. I feel like if I was a studio head, it would drive me crazy to look at Batman be Superman right now and see 30% and people just trashing it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they want to make money, but they're human beings. So maybe I'm just I'm just projecting. Never mind. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Into, uh, August is kind of thin. We've got uh, Pete's Dragon. You, you don't like August? I really, this War Dogs, do you guys see the War Dogs trailer? I haven't seen I it yet. Don't think I did. It's the one with uh, Jonah Hill and uh, Miles Teller. Uh, okay. No, I didn't uh, see this trailer. Gun runners uh, in Iraq. And I, I don't know what relation it is to a true story. The first I saw was the trailer last night of the movie. But it's it looks awesome. And it, it, brings, up, it brings up two things to me. First, Jonah Hill's decided to be fat. <laughs> but, you know, he was going back and forth there for a while and cool man just you know he, he he found his way and it's it's fat the other thing is i think miles teller is like right on the verge of like a fast bender tom hardy type of uh breakout yeah and okay i agree as far as act, he might be more going towards sean penn territory than yeah. those guys like <laughs> he doesn't um, make a lot of friends <laughs> yeah he's he's uh i mean unfortunately that's the thing is some of these people who are massive massive jerks um they uh, they'll they'll i mean if you're good enough if you can uh if you can transcend it like sean penn you'll have a career yeah. But uh and I hate to he- I hesitate to say Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was always known for being a dick. Um mm-hmm. and Michael Keaton's had a great career though, but he had that sort of that purgatory there for a while where he just wasn't in any big movies. Now he's been in he's got a had a comeback and everything, but um you, you know that that being a dick thing does count for something, you know. <laughs> it, it it cuts you down a little bit. Speaking of Michael Keaton, you know, he has a movie in August. It's uh, about the founder of McDonald's called The Founder. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen a trailer, but I think they released a poster earlier this week. And, uh, you know, yeah, this like is... said, he's having a resurgence. So people are, I think, interested in this. This is one that I think I looked for a trailer for. And YouTube gave me a whole bunch of other trailers for it. So it's yeah. like for, for something else. So um, yeah. it hasn't come out yet. It's a biopic in August. So they're probably not trying to pre-hype too much. Yeah. Uh, but a movie that did have a trailer uh, was Ben Hur. Did you guys watch this trailer? I saw it. Yeah, it feels like the exact opposite of what it should be. Um, 
I mean, it's another movie that makes me exhausted looking at it. Yeah. Um, I, what is the appeal to this? Uh, is what I, what I'm, when I watch a trailer, that's what I look for. And this seems like a whole bunch of other movies that have come out. Obviously it's the same movie that's come out several times before. Um, but it's, uh, other movies, modern movies that have come. It looks very, you know, like a Ridley Scott gladiator type movie that, you know, it's just, I've seen it. I've seen this so many times. Why do we need to watch it? Yeah. Yeah. I think just somebody at the studio was like, but the chariots, imagine what we could do with the chariots. Yeah. <laughs> like it's uh yeah, that when I look back at the 1960, whatever been her, I, I think, man, we could do that so much better today. Let's make it again. I mean, chariots and abs. There's tons of abs in the trailer. It's just abs and chariots. <laughs> it's the winner. It's the winner. Abs of fire. <laughs> All right, so Pete's Dragon, do we have anything to say beyond what we said earlier? Like, other than it kind of looks like Jungle Book and the <laughs> both, both Pete's Dragon and Jungle Book have a scene of a kid jumping off a cliff. And they, they look exactly the same. <laughs> little boys <laughs> and, and, and jungles. Yeah, little boys that. and jungles. You know what to say about that. But, like... The this one, you know, it's like he's jumping off the cliff and it's like, oh, no, he jumped off the cliff. Oh, there's a dragon there to save him. Isn't that great? I mean, can we stop with the people jumping off of stuff being dramatic? I mean, they do it in every Marvel movie. I think Bucky's done it 17 times so far. And then they do it in uh, did it. What was that movie? Uh, The Star Trek Into Darkness. They did it with Spock on the ship. And Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm so tired of all of it. This, This is not dramatic anymore. I've seen it. I know. I, I don't understand why they keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, they're going to remake Laura Croft, and they're going to they're going to have her <laughs> run and jump off a cliff like it's dramatic. Exactly. Uh, I think there's a couple uh, that I I've, remember off the top of my head uh, right now that we didn't get through on the uh, first few months. There, obviously, I think we've talked a little bit about the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out. Uh, that you know that of course isn't going to be exciting at all. I um, kind of trying to avoid talking about. It, so thanks but uh but well i just mentioned it to mention it i'm not we're not going to talk about it but uh the bfg is another one mm. um that they've you know they came out with a teaser for it now i guess i'm supposed to be really excited about this for some reason i i, I i'm a big spielberg fan but uh, what is the deal with it? Is this a like a a big huge children's book or something like that? I think it's a making? book. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, and, and the trailer for it looks it looks pretty cool, but I don't know what to think of it yet. But that's supposed to be a big movie that's coming out. And anything with Spielberg is at least worth getting interested in, right? Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, Spielberg's one of the reasons why um, I watch movies these days because yeah. he was just one of the. I mean, E.T. was when I was five years old, and that's basically ever since I've liked Spielberg movies. Yeah. Um. So, um. I mean, that I'll be I'll be there for it, but uh, I mean, I don't know what we thought about that anyway. That just seemed like a random movie that was thrown in to the summer there. Yeah, it I might think- be huge. There may be some large fan base out there, but it's just for some reason not on our radar. But I felt kind of the same way. Um, one or some other ones. I, the there's uh, quite a bit, quite a few comedies. I know that the uh, what is it? The Mike and Dave need, need wedding, wedding dates. dates. Yeah, uh, is the one that to me looks like pretty funny to me. Um, well, uh, I like it, all those people. 
but yeah, that's the thing. I, I love Anna Kendrick. I'm going to watch it no matter what, um, because she's in it. But it's weird to me that Aubrey Plaza and Zac Efron are in yet another comedy together yeah. just about six months after they did that, you know, bad grandpa or old dirty grandpa movie. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's how in the world does that happen? You know, just like, Oh no, <laughs> they're back together in another comedy. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, that looks pretty funny to me. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably give that one a, a, a try. Um, there's a new Power Rangers movie. Looks like. Oh yeah, is that something that uh, people still care about? Power Rangers? I don't know. I don't know. No. Do. Come on. Really? No. Yeah, no? Kids don't okay. Know. But I, really? when you said, "Oh, come on," I was like, "Oh, have I been missing the Power Rangers Renaissance that's going on?" <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm in, I'm in as big a shock as you. I can't believe. Is that true, Barrett? Yeah, man. Kids are still into that stuff. We had uh, around Halloween, around our um, neighborhood, we had probably a dozen or more Power Rangers. Wow. Really? Yeah. So, so maybe there has to be forcing it on their kid. <laughs> there has to be something going on then, right? There has to be a show that's still going or, or it's, they've started. It's going on in perpetuity. Yeah. So there's a lot of animated stuff. There's uh, They're replaying the live action stuff on Netflix. And there's a, a couple of the movies and, and that kind of thing. The last uh, movie. Another one that's, that's having a weird uh, renaissance is Scooby-Doo. Uh, oh, for some good reason, God. There's million versions of Scooby-Doo on Netflix right now. Wow. Um, the last Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie came out 21 years ago. Wow. And it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. It was, I mean, it was just, it was thrown in June of 95 and it, and it just went away immediately. Um, so I don't get it. You know, why do we, why do we resurrect something that was such a failure back then? Yeah. <laughs> Should we, uh, move into questions? Yeah, I think so. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. All right. So these questions were uh, taken from the fans. The uh, first one I think is going to be maybe really fun to talk about. And it's uh, what fictional movie restaurant or food would you most want to try from any movie? Mm. Uh, Barrett and Jay, why don't you, why don't you uh, take, take it away? What I like is uh, when characters just get an overabundance of uh, options and food and things like that. For me, it always appealed to me that the meals in the great hall and Harry Potter movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they had this crazy bounty of stuff that they, you know, there was a half of a chicken here and there was a side <laughs> of a beef there. And then there's, you know, potatoes and all that stuff. And, oh man, that was great because it was those rare respites from all of the danger that was lurking behind for all these kids. But you know, they had a, a chance to where everybody was kind of smiling and it was over a holiday and that kind of thing. That always appealed to me. And I always wondered about the food waste with those, uh, <laughs> those big, huge thing. Maybe they magic them away and they, they just store them, them. you know, whatever. But of course, if magic were the answer for everything, there wouldn't be any conflict in those movies. But, um, uh, <laughs> Jay, do you have any? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Mr. Smiley's from American Beauty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. I'm going to, I just, I love, I love that film. And as you can see, Francis Underwood, a.k.a. Kevin Spacey, just delivering those, <laughs> that horrible meal through the drive through window. I was also, this is from TV, so it's kind of cheating. I'll say another one, but uh, Los Poyos Hermanos. Yeah, from Breaking man, Bad. totally, for sure. Uh, you know, despite the fact that they're selling um, some wacky shit from the, <laughs> the parking lot, 
the tacos or whatever the hell they served uh, also seem they uh, they made it somehow some way appetizing even though i don't think we ever saw chicken in the uh, in the episodes did we i don't think we ever saw actual might have chicken. seen something on somebody's plate once or twice but they always made it sound so great the advertisements time. that they put on there the advertise yeah. the the way they would talk about you know uh, of course, they were all they were bullshit commercials, just like any other chicken place would do. But they was like, man, I really want to have some of that. Well, uh, if the if the kitchen was dirty at all, you would just get killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, this is the second week in a row we've cheated by putting Breaking Bad in our our movie discussion. Ah, but you know what? I'm totally I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, J- Jeremy. Um. Well, I mean, I feel like we're gonna get screamed at. Even though this is an obvious choice, if one of us doesn't mention Jackrabbit Slims, um, yeah. <laughs> and I would definitely want to eat there. But my, my real response uh, is Gusto's from Ratatouille. Yes. Oh, yes. And I would want the rat to cook me Ratatouille uh, <laughs> because, you know, that critic got a heart of gold after eating that meal because he remembered his mommy. I want to feel that. Yeah, I have to. um Number one is Big Night. Ah, it was on my um, list. I'm glad you're saying it. Yeah, Big Night is uh, there's nothing makes food look better than you know than Big Night does, yeah. and uh, you know the whole thing's about a restaurant anyway. But uh, they they really do a good job with those things and making you hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is Chef, um, nice. the food truck. Um, yeah. That that was when they started making those things. I was just like, man, can I not? have one of those right now and like usually you you watch something on tv or whatever i can go to amazon and get that right now but like or you know this you can't you can't order anything off of off of the chef's food truck uh right away and i man that stuff looks so good yeah that movie also i think did a good job of making things look really delicious and that oh that whole opening where he's trying to be creative and doing all the knife work uh that's a really good movie too i enjoyed it yeah, for sure. I have a New York question. Sure. Have you or uh, Jay or Jeremy, for that matter, been to Kansas Deli? Yeah. No. Nope. Um, highly overrated. I'm sorry. <laughs> really? So this is the famous when Harry met Sally scene, right? Yeah, where she orgasms in the restaurant. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, an institution. It, it will never go away. Um, but, uh, you know, when you live here, you don't go to places like that. You You, you know, like. I don't know. Now I feel like a pretentious prick, but it's just true. It's just like, uh, um, I don't think New Yorkers eat there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does. Because uh, that's the, you know, the thing that New Yorkers take a lot of pride in is not being a tourist. So, you know, yeah. the, the touristy places they avoid and they avoid, you know, they avoid, you know, museums and stuff like that too, because Hey, that's what <laughs> tourists do. Um, but, uh, like I, I haven't been to that particular one, but it's amazing if you walk around New York and you're just like super hungry and then you walk into a diner of some mm-hmm. sort. Those diners are awesome. Always. They're always yeah. good. Like they make yeah. an amazing burger almost all the time. Yeah, that's so true. However, if you eat a hot dog from the street, you deserve to get what's coming to you. <laughs> Man, did I ever eat a bunch of hot dogs off the street? But that was good stuff. <laughs> I think we already covered your love of hot dogs, Chris, in the movie yeah. stories. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so should we move on to another question? Yeah. All right, do you want a super film geeky one, or do you want um, just a general interesting topic one? You get to choose. Uh, let's do geeky. All right, what's your favorite Kurosawa film. Okay, so 
I went, uh, the local Belcourt theater had, uh, a Kurosawa retrospective, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so I've seen probably, I saw, probably saw six or seven from that. And then I've seen three or four others either on TV or a big screen or whatever. But, um, the one that there's, there's a couple, one is Akiru. Um, I think a lot of people talk about Rashomon, of course, and Hidden Fortress because of its, you know, its inspiration to Star Wars and all that. But Akiru is the, is the government as bureaucracy type of thing that, you know, the frustrations involved with trying to get things done in a bureaucracy. Um, and just how much that wastes one life, one's life away and everything. Uh, so I really like Akiru. And, uh, then there's a movie I'm going to have to look up the title for. Um, I live in fear is what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, it's, uh, it's about, uh, being, I mean, it, you're talking about Japan post-World War II Japan and, uh, a guy who's, who's scared of nuclear war. Um, so it's, it's a, that's a really good movie. I don't think I was ever disappointed in any Akira Kurosawa movie that I watched. Um, almost all of them, even a movie like Ron, which I think was like 85 or something like that, which wasn't one of his best, still really good. So that's, I would put that, I'd put well, the Kiru at the top. I do, uh, choose the cliche, um, and go with Rashomon because of when I saw it, I was, mm-hmm. I was like 19, uh, and it was one of my favorite professors, uh, showed us this movie in class. And it was, it was a really good time for me to learn about different perspectives. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was just very formative for me, uh, beyond my love of film, but just as who I became and how I come to see the world. Um, it, it just when I saw it, it just hit me perfect. And it's always stuck as my favorite. Yeah, it's outstanding. No, there's a reason why that's Rashomon is is a sort of a film term now because anytime a movie does a perspective, you know, different perspective thing, you say it's Rashomon. So, yeah, I was watching um, Jackie Brown yesterday, which we praised on here before, but uh, right. And there's that, that that sequence when the last exchange goes down, where you see it through everybody's perspective, and then it runs back and goes to a different person's perspective, and um, even that made me think of Rashomon. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, then let's move on. I think we can all talk about this one. Um, uh, movies that changed your mind in a positive way about a director or an actor. Uh, one that made you see them in a new light. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I have a feeling, uh, Jeremy, you have this one. I don't want to steal it from you. No, I don't have uh, any in mind. Um, so go ahead. Okay. So Ben Affleck um, is that person uh, for me. Um, remember, um, when Goodwill hunting came out, the, the big rumor or the big story was, well, Damon really kind of wrote that. And then Affleck and Affleck was kind of just there and they get, you know, whatever. So Affleck was being pretty disrespected, but of course that whole screenplay has been rumored to have been changed by Gus Van Sant himself to into something completely different from what they wrote. So, uh, who knows what, uh, what, what was actually going on with that. But Ben Affleck obviously completely disrespected on that. And uh, as he went through his, uh, acting career and everything, you were like, man, there's, you know, this guy, I mean, he's, he's been good a couple of times, but do we really need Ben Affleck? And, um, and then so, when he comes out with gone baby gone, Mm. um, I just, 
I was I was stunned how great that movie is. I could watch Gone Baby Gone is so so good, and everything Fantastic. that he's done, everything that he's done since then, The Town and and Argo, those are movies that are are great. I mean, uh, who would have thought? Considering this is the guy that we made fun of for so long with movies like Daredevil and Geely and um and everything didn't look like you know Ben Affleck was going to offer something like Gone Baby Gone in his career right but he but didn't we get glimpses of it in Chasing Amy yeah back in the when he was with Kevin Smith um you know there were there were flashes there so Chasing Amy that's Chasing Amy came out the same year as Goodwill Hunting so you're talking yeah. about the era of He's you. We don't know what to think of Ben Affleck yet. After that year, he was in Armageddon and he was in Pearl Harbor and, uh, you know, all these movies that we make fun of him for. So, yeah, he had shown flashes. Of course, he was also, as you know, Kevin Smith likes to point out in some of the commentaries and everything. He was also the guy who just beat ass before the chasing Amy and, and all that in Mallrats. He's the bully. Yeah. Um, in Dazed and Confused, he's a bully. He's just always the, he's just, you know, he's that guy. But then Chasing Amy does kind of show us something different from him and everything. Uh, but then after that, he, he looks like he's gung ho about being this movie star. And, you know, we don't see anything like Chasing Amy again after that for a really long time. Yeah. yeah. I have, I have two that I want to see what you guys think about an actor changing your perspective. One is, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Oh, oh yeah, and the other one is Bill Murray in Rushmore. Yeah, oh, kind of call. both uh, in the same. You know, these hilarious people that are completely famous for being amazing comedians, dropping a, a on a dime and turning around and turning in you know all star Hall of Fame performances dramatically. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 just as an insert here, Philadelphia is the movie that I think Denzel Washington should have gotten nominated for. I had sort of alluded it alluded to, um, you know, and, and some of the actors that we didn't get to in that one podcast. But Denzel Washington in Philadelphia should have gotten nominated because he was really good in that. Yeah. And uh, it's one of his best performances and it didn't get nominated. But, yeah, Hanks forever was known as comedy guy. And then here's Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, uh, mine, I have a couple I want to talk about, but, um, and they're strangely related to each other in a lot of ways. Uh, the first one is Brad Pitt and it's, um, he had had a little funny stoner moment in true romance, but basically until the one, two punch of seven and 12 monkeys, I never considered him an actor. Uh, Mm -hmm. I considered him a pretty boy, um, And, you know, he had made stuff like Cool World and A River Runs Through It, where he just kind of, you know, A River Runs Through It, where he just has to, has to look pretty for a while. Um, right. But, uh, and Legends of the Fall is kind of the same. But when when Seven and then Twelve Monkeys hit, I was like, wow, this guy can really, really act. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, my other one is uh, George Clooney, who's made a bunch of movies with Brad Pitt. But up, up until Out of Sight, he was, again, just kind of a handsome TV star um, with a head bob. Yeah, but I mean, he did one, from Dust Till Dawn, One Fine Day, Batman and Robin, The Peacemaker, all negligible in my book. And then he does Out of Sight, which is one of my fa- very favorite movies ever. We'll uh, not dive too far into it, but the performance there is so layered and textured, and, I, and he's so acting in that movie. And that's the first time I saw it. 
I forgot about those. Those were like, you know, you kind of always think about Clooney. I always think about Clooney as well. He's been kind of like that for, for a while, but yeah, you're right. There were those four or five movies before he did out of sight where you're like, he's kind of doing that same thing over and over again. Yeah. I don't know. Eh, eh, I don't know what to think about him. Uh, but you know, Clooney is one of the first people that got off of a hit TV show and was the main character on a TV show. And, and somehow translated into uh, a you know a, a movie star afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, something that David Caruso tried to do a few years before that, and didn't work. Well, so. and all the Friends characters tried it, right? Like you know Matthew Perry had a couple good ones, but he did that Fools Rush in, and they were all that that same era of NBC programming. Um, and Clooney was the first one that really kind of became a list. Um, yeah. That twelve monkeys performance just came out of nowhere. You know? oh. I mean, it was it was the marketed as Bruce Willis's movie and this weird dystopic um, Terry Gilliam vision and everything. And Brad Pitt comes out of nowhere and really just murders it. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that performance is that Brad Pitt doesn't even like that performance. Um, he said something about like, I look back on that and he's like, man, I can't look at that movie without saying I should have done this and I should have done that. And I'm sitting there going, man, you did everything perfect to me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was an incredible movie uh, for me. I'll be pretty quick here. I, I, and there's so many to choose from, but I, I would say uh, contemporary figures that stand out for me are the Duplass brothers. Um, mm. I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not a huge fan of any specific work that they've put out, but their process of using minuscule budgets and then, and then putting a lot of stuff out and really be willing to f- fail. I'm reading a quote here from Mark Duplass. He says, I'm interested to see what happens to Spike Lee with limited resources. Uh, I love Spike Lee's movies, but you know what? I kind of liked his movies when he used to scramble and fight more for them. And right. I, I love that. I love that uh, point of view of like, I have twenty thousand dollars. I'm going to make a movie on the weekend. Let's see what happens. And you could you could see it in some of their work. And I think they're onto something there. Um, so that's who I would say in terms of process and um, uh, someone who are uh, brothers who are actually changing the game. I think those two. And it's interesting too that you know Duplass is you know they'll. They'll make all these, they'll make all these, I guess they were one of the pioneers of this mumblecore movement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, but Duplass, Mark Duplass will be in stuff like, you know, The League and, yeah. uh, and he, and Togetherness and these type of movies and everything. I mean, these type of shows, um, and everything. So he's that, that guy is, uh, I like, I do like the experiment, uh, experimentation. Richard Linkletter does that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's like, you know what? I haven't done a movie like this before. Let's try this out and see what happens, you know? So, uh, not afraid of failure and, and everything. And that's, uh, I, I really admire that. That'll be the Sincast for today. Uh, this is Chris Atkinson with Jeremy Scott, Barrett share and Jay Lalonde. We're signing off. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. So you've noticed that we have a new theme music uh, that is from an artist called Lorange. 
uh, who's based in Nashville and has done some amazing work, and we're lucky to have worked with him. Yes, because it's awesome. Yeah, well, and and go and check his stuff out because yeah. there's a lot of really good stuff. That's what you know when he uh, contacted. Uh, did he contact Barrett or did he contact, contact Jeremy? He tweeted out. I don't even think he was trying to contact us. He just tweeted out that he would be interested in doing the music for the podcast. So wh- however he did it, we went over to his page and started listening to some of the music. And it's like, wow, this is really cool stuff. So go and check him out for sure. Leave Ben Affleck alone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You'll suddenly hear, woo! Little boys in the jungle. Some believe that the first mutant was born thousands of years ago. He was some kind of god. Equanimity. Quality of being calm. Who is it? Messenger service. Even tempered. I'm here with Mike and Dave Stengel. They are looking for dates for their sister's wedding in Hawaii. Let's make these guys take us to Hawaii. We're looking for nice girls. We're going to look respectable as... My God, that's Jason Bourne. Why would he come back now? I know who I am. I remember everything. 